Welcome to the MPC Podcast. I am Tim W. Gill, pastor of Medora Pentecostal Church, and I'm thrilled that you've joined us today. Here at MPC, we are committed to bringing hope and building lives. One way we do that is through this podcast. Thank you for listening, for sharing and reviewing what we do here. It is our desire to connect with you, and you can find us on Facebook, or you can find us at our website, medorachurch.com. It is our prayer that today's message inspires you, encourages you, and that the kingdom of God is advanced in your life. Let's get right to the word of the Lord today. Let everybody say amen. I'm going to the book of 2 Samuel tonight, the book of 2 Samuel. Praise the Lord. Chapter 12, so good to see you. Turn to somebody and smile. Praise God. So good to have everybody online as well that are watching. We appreciate that. Amen. 2 Samuel chapter 12 and verse number 1. The Lord sent Nathan unto David, and he came unto him and said unto him, There were two men in one city, the one rich and the other poor. The rich man had exceeding many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing save one little lamb, which he had bought and nourished up and grew up together with him and his children. It did eat of his own meat and drank of his own cup and lay in his bosom and was unto him as a daughter. There came a traveler. There came a traveler unto the rich man. And he, and, and he spared to take of his own flock and of his own herd to dress for the wayfaring man that was coming to him, but took the poor man's lamb, dressed it for the man that was come to him. And David's anger was greatly kindled because the man. He said to Nathan, As the Lord liveth, the man that hath done this thing shall surely die. He shall restore the lamb fourfold because he did this thing and because he had no pity. And Nathan said to David, Thou art the man. Thou art the man. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I anointed thee king over Israel, and I delivered thee out of the hand of Saul. Thou art the man. Tonight I want to teach on, preach on the voice of conviction, the voice of convention, conviction. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word today. Thank you, God, for your abundant blessings. Lord Jesus, it's so good to be in your presence again with your people. Bless your people tonight. God, help us in the study of this word that it would be exalting you, that we would exalt you in it and help your people in it. In Jesus' mighty name, let everybody say amen. amen. Praise the Lord. The voice of conviction. God bless you. Be seated. Pinocchio is a strange story. It's a peculiar story. A wooden toy that wants to be changed into a real boy, but every time he lies, what happens to his nose? Boop, boop. There'd be some folks that just could not function at all because their nose would be down to California. 
The plot of this story involves an old Italian wood carver named Geppetto who carves a wooden puppet named Pinocchio. The puppet is brought to life by a blue fairy who informs him that he can become a real boy if he proves himself to be brave, truthful, and unselfish. Truthful, brave, unselfish. Now, Pinocchio's got a problem because Pinocchio, being a stick person, doesn't really know the difference between right or wrong. So it takes his sidekick, Jiminy Cricket, to inform him about what to do when he doesn't know right from wrong. And he sings him this little song. And you don't know right from wrong, give a little whistle. All you got to do is give a little whistle. Give a little whistle. When you meet temptation and the urge is very strong, all you got to do is give a little whistle. Give a little whistle. Take the straight and narrow path, he sang to him. If you start to slide, and give a little whistle. Give a little whistle. And always let your conscience be your guide. Always let your conscience be your guide. That did not serve Pinocchio very well. He goes to a place called Pleasure Island with some kind of lamp wick. I don't even remember that character. But it's a place where in Pleasure Island there's no school. There are no cops. Everything is free. Booze is free. Smokes are free. Free uh, property. Uh, free of property. Uh, free ice cream. There's a fight club there. Everything that a young juvenile or a uh, aftifa would like. This is a place where boys prove themselves that uh, that they're they're bad enough that that when they prove themselves that they're bad enough, they turn magically into donkeys. I won't even go there. And end up working in the mines where they eventually die. This is a Disney story, y'all. And they're worried about certain things that they put out. What a dark story. But to be sure that you can make it through this, just whistle. And let your conscience be the guide. Let your conscience be. What exactly is your conscience? What is that part of us that we call our conscience? Uh, historically, in the historical concept of conscience, uh, it has been understood uh, to be a, a faculty of moral reasoning and the seat of res- being a responsible person, a responsible person. A conscience is said to govern our responsibility, govern our relationship to God and to others, and applying certain moral principles when needed. The conscience has been described as that sacred seat where the idea of ought and ought not comes from. Consciousness listens, or we listen to our conscience. It speaks to us after you've sinned. Not before you've sinned, but after you've sinned. The voice of the conscience speaks up with, with guilt and condemnation. It is not a good barometer to know how to be because the voice of the conscience will ultimately lead you down a different path where you don't feel guilt, you don't feel shame. Uh, R.C. Sproul writes about uh, a lady that over 50 years ago wrote a book called The Happy Hooker. 
This lady was a prostitute and, and sought to silence the people who believe that prostitution is wrong and that no one could find joy in prostitution. In her book, she celebrates the joy that she experienced in her profession, saying this, that she never felt guilty about what she was doing. But she also said this, the first time she got involved in prostitution, she felt pains of guilt. What happened is that when your conscience is guiding you, you may the first time feel a pain of guilt. But like an edge on, on a wheel, it ultimately begins to wear off the more that the activity is done until, as the writer says in 1 Timothy 4 and verse number 1, now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrine of devils, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. The problem with letting your conscience be your guide or some kind of internal nature mechanism is that your internal mechanism can fool you. Your heart can fool you. Amen. It can actually be a broken conscience, a seared conscience. I told you about the story of Geppetto. Our lesson before us tonight talks about the story of King David. We know him to be a poet. We know him to be a musician. We know him to be the shepherd and the songwriter. He was the worshiper and the warrior. Amen. As king of Israel, he was, he was famous that God loved him. He loved him. But also, David had some dark sides. David had some problems. David had some snares. David sinned greatly. The error of the king, the sin of King David, is a lesson of what can happen to people that make wrong choices and listen to the wrong voices. Wrong choices, listen to the wrong voices. Amen. David, uh, uh, God was not pleased with him, so he sends Nathan to him, and he says the story of two men, that one was very rich and had a bunch of stuff, and one only had one lamb. And so the rich man went out and stole the one lamb and provided for a traveler. A traveler, of the, the King James calls him a wayfaring uh, a traveler, a wayfaring traveler. You will find that in this context, uh, the traveler is not somebody that you would hang around very long because the traveler in the very root of the word means to walk abroad, to go to and fro and up and down into places, to, to make trouble to make trouble, more and more going and stirring up stuff. That's the wayfaring traveler, if you please. The, the traveler is trouble. The traveler is trouble. Amen. The Bible says in Job chapter 1 and verse 7, And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? And then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth and walking up and down in it. That's the traveler. The traveler goes around stirring up trouble from place to place. He goes from your house to my house, to their house, to the neighbor's house, going to and fro, stirring up 
trouble. Amen. The writer uh, said in 1 Peter chapter 5, he gives to us a, another picture of this traveler. He said in 5 and 6, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty head of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant for your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about. Walk about. Temptation shows up and knocks on your mind. Temptation comes and travels around and puts thoughts in you and, and tells you, you ought to do this. You ought to do that. Uh, amen. In reality, our problem is not the culture that we're living in. It's the traveler that's living in this culture. Our problem is not uh, uh, Hollywood and the trends of Hollywood. It's the traveler living in the trends of Hollywood. Uh, amen. Our problem is not a messed up political system, but rather the traveler that lives in that system. Uh, amen. Many display the mindset that Satan is just like an angel sitting on one shoulder and the devil sitting on another. Whichever one talks to you, that's the one you got to listen to. Amen. My thought is, how are we going to respond to this voice? How are we going to deal with this traveler? We need to expose him for who he is. The traveler is not a guest that you uh, uh, are hospitable to, but rather he is someone that you ought to turn out, to turn aside. He's coming to destroy your life. And so when temptation comes, We've got to be willing to say no to the voice of the tempter. Psalm 17 and 4. Concerning the works of men, by the word of thy lips, I've kept me from the paths of the destroyer. Amen. Concerning the works of men, by the word of your lips, Lord, I've kept me from the path of destroyer. God used, or David used God's word as a weapon to keep him from the path of the destroyer, the tempter. For the traveler is a liar. The traveler is a tempter. The traveler is a murderer and a destructive voice. Amen. And we cannot afford to let him come into our mind. Amen. We need to deal with it very quickly. Yes. <clears throat> Ephesians 4, 25. Ephesians 4, 25. Wherefore put away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one another. Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down on your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Neither give place to the wanderer. How do we do that? Let him that stole steal no more. How do you do that? You get a conviction that stands against him. What is that conviction? Not stealing anymore, but rather let him labor, work with his hands, the thing which is good that he may have to give unto him that needeth. God is teaching us how to not give place to the devil. Get some convictions about work. Stay busy. Don't give him a place to operate in your mind. Let no corruption. No corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good and the use of edifying, that it may minister to grace in the hearing. Get a conviction about what comes out of your mouth and what you say and how you communicate it. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit, the next verse says, whereby we're sealed under the day of redemption. How do you not give place to the devil? Don't give place to bitterness. Don't give place to wrath, verse 31. Don't give place to anger and clamor and evil speaking. 
and put away from you uh, with all malice. Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has given to you or forgiven you. Don't give place. Somebody say, don't give place. Don't give the traveler place. Don't give the tempter place. Hallelujah. Because we have come to the, the, the mindset today that nothing is wrong. Everything's okay. There's no right or wrong. Then we've given it to our conscience. We're following our conscience. Our conscience is leading us. And then when the traveler comes, and he will, he shows up and he's slick and he tempts us and he tempts us to do something that we should not do. Amen. We've got to learn how to not give him a place. Here's what it says. If you do this, it won't hurt anybody. It's only one time. It's only one time. Then you could repent. You don't need to pray. You don't need to have a conviction about tithes. You really don't have to love like the Bible says. Amen. You deserve to take what is rightfully yours. You have to do as the commercials used to say, give yourself a break today. Amen. You're entitled to this. Take it. You have a right to be angry. You have a right to be bitter. You've been hurt, not them. You've been hurt. Go ahead. Give them a piece, piece of your mind. Tell them off. Amen. Everybody's doing it anyway. What is that? That's the voice of the traveler. The voice of the traveler that comes and brings to us temptation, entices our lust. Second Samuel chapter 11 is how David heard the voice he heard the voice of the tempter and it came to pass after year was expired the time when kings go forth to battle you've heard that preached before david should have been at the forefront of the battle but he wasn't that david sent joab and his servants with him and all israel and they destroyed the children of ammon and besieged rabbah but david tarried still at jerusalem and it came to pass at evening tide that king uh, that David rose from off his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house and from the roof he saw a woman washing herself and the woman was very beautiful to look upon and David sent inquired after the woman and one said is not this Bathsheba the daughter Listen to how it's put into context. The daughter of somebody and the wife of somebody. David looked. Then the traveler comes in and says, look again. Then the traveler walks up and says, look longer. Leer. Not just gaze, but leer and stare and then inquire. Amen. I heard a story today on a podcast about a, a woman whose, whose life was so messed up that she, she, I don't know if she was married to how many times, how many men, but she was constantly going back to, I, I'm assuming some kind of like Facebook or some kind of dating place that while she was married, she was looking at a dating place and then her marriage falls apart. Really? It's because you let the traveler in. 
You let the tempter come in. And when the tempter comes in, he's going to, hey, why don't you do this? Hey, nobody watching. You can watch that. There's nobody watching. You can do that. There's nobody here. Amen. But once that, that traveler got a hold of David, once lust got a hold of David, he headed down a dark road. Amen. Or isn't that Bathsheba, the wife of Uriah, the daughter of someone, the wife of someone? And so the king began to rationalize his sin. He began to compartmentalize and say, you know what? I'm king after all. I can do this. Kind of like some that have been in the White House who had an affair with a 22-year-old intern and ensuing cover-up that tried to hide it into a nation. I want to tell you, when you begin to say that this is all right, there's nothing wrong with this. No wonder we are where we are today that this is all right. And that is all right. Tiger, Wor Tiger Woods seemed to have a perfect life, a perfect life, a perfect, beautiful family. But his private world, amen, was so vulgar and despicable until one day it all unraveled before him. Amen. Unraveled for, before him and exposed himself. Why? Because you begin to compartmentalize and say, this is my life over here. David said, well, I'm king, but I can also do this. I'm going to separate my righteous worship with this moment, with this mo woman. I'm going to separate this. Amen. Because of this, he listened to the voice of the traveler. Bill Cosby, I want to tell you, his story is sad. One of the saddest of American culture. He was known as America's dad. To becoming a disgraced comedian, convicted of sexual assault, his trial revealed the private side of Cosby that was deplorable. He was an arrogant, ruthless, heartless, self-righteous, deceptive, sinister, manipulative, and habitual liar. Those are not my words. That's the words of those that testified against him. What happened? It's because somewhere the traveler comes in. Somewhere the traveler comes in. Amen. Rationalization says, how can something that brings me so much pleasure be so wrong? God wants me to be happy after all. Certainly, he would not deny me this joy. I'm acting out of love. That's what the traveler wants us to say. My marriage is not what God intended at all, so I'm going to go down a different road. Amen. If you judge me, you're as big a sinner as I am. Amen. The pathology is clear. Desensitization leads to relaxation and moral lack of moral discipline. Relaxation leads to the blinding effects of sensual fixation on to rationalization and compartmentalization. What are we doing? What are we doing? We're allowing the traveler to come in. One time in a particular situation, I, had, I was on a a board that I, we, we dealt with a minister who was having questionable acts with a woman. He was going to a hotel room with this woman, preaching revivals and going to a hotel room with this woman, he said to counsel her. Counsel with her. And he looked at us with arrogant, prideful eyes and said, I'm tough. I'm not doing anything. Everything's fine. I'm tough. Later, he became a victim of his same arrogance and fell 
to the arms of another woman. Amen. David was a good man, y'all. He was a great man, but he began to listen to the wrong voices. David was no sexual pervert. He was a kind man. He was a man that, uh, that, that worked on his, his impression and his integrity. Amen. And so what did he do? He, he brought uh, in Bathsheba. He sleeps with her. And so he goes and he says, I'm going to cover it up by getting Uriah to come and sleep with her so she's with child we'll cover all this up I want Uriah to come and you know what Uriah means Uriah means the flame of fire illumination flame of jaw the flame of the Lord what does he come and do he doesn't go into his wife he goes out and sits in his front of his house of David's house and he says go to your wife go be with your wife and he said no I can't do that and he stays there he gets him drunk and he still stays there what is it Uriah speaks about conviction that conviction will stop at your door and God puts it there to let its voice ring out so that we can say I need to hear the words of conviction the voice of conviction David tried to send the voice away David David tried to silence the voice, but he could not. And so what did he do? He ultimately killed Uriah. There are people today that want to silence the voice of conviction. But I want to tell you more than ever before, we need convictions. We need to have a conviction. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let me share with you the voice of conviction. There's a couple voices that I want to present to you today. The first one is the voice of that reproves John chapter 3 and verse 20 John chapter 3 and verse 20 for everyone that doeth evil hateth the light hateth what that which reveals neither cometh to the light lest his deeds should be reproved that's the word in the Greek for conviction conviction let that is his deeds should fall under conviction to expose to convince to reprove when the message was preached by Peter in Acts chapter 2 and verse 37 when they heard these words when they heard this it says they were pricked in their heart amen you know what I want to pray for as a pastor as a person as a part of a church is that we are sensitive to the pricking voice of the word of God that we can hear the word and not just flippantly walk out the door but oh God show your light on me if there's something in me that I need the spotlight shining on me amen let your word prick my heart one more time let the hot fire of holy conviction and reproof come on me I don't want to be a statistic I want to make sure that I am following through the word prick their heart the word brings in conviction the word brings in conviction the same thing happens to Saul in Acts chapter 9 amen and verse number 4 Acts 9 and 4 Saul fell to the earth under a great light and he heard a voice saying unto him Saul Saul why persecutest thou me and he said who art thou Lord and Jesus said I am Jesus whom thou persecutest it is hard for thee to kick against conviction it's hard for you I, I believe that there was something going on in his life amen he's just constantly kicking against it oh I wish that God would work this out maybe it's it's time to say I quit listening to the traveler so I can go forward. 
The Bible says that the Lord sent Nathan unto David, and he said, you're the man. You're the man. That got David's heart. Ultimately, that got David's heart. He began to repent. He began to say, Lord, have mercy on me. Lord, have mercy on me. Amen. Wash me. Uh, wash me, cleanse me, purge me. Oh, God, let me be clean before you. Create in me a clean heart, oh, God. Renew a right spirit within me. What is he doing? He's making new convictions. He's creating new convictions. He's creating something that I want to call the conviction sandwich. Everybody say the conviction sandwich. Mm. What is it? It's conviction number one is the revelation of sin. That's where God comes in, reproves us, shows us in the light of of his word where we need to repent. Amen. Conviction is not repentance, but it ought to lead us to repentance. What is repentance? It's, It's the middle of the sandwich. Amen. It's where we begin to change our mind, change our way of thinking, change our way of talking. Amen. And then there is conviction that comes to the other side, and that's the conviction of faith. It is the conviction of faith. It's convictions that, hey, I'm not going there because I have a conviction. I'm not watching that because I have a conviction. You see, there's a conviction of sin where God shines the light on us, and then there's a conviction of relationship where we have a relationship with God that God puts it in our heart before it ever happens. Stay away. Don't go. Don't be a part of that. Don't partake in that. Amen. You need you and I need conviction today. You and I need conviction today. Let's go to John 16. John 16 and verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. Somebody say the truth. Jesus says it's expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he is come, he will convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Here's why you need to be full of the Holy Ghost. Here's why I need to be full of the Holy Ghost. It's the Holy Ghost that brings the illumination and convicts us. While you're watching that, it tells you, turn off Turn, on, turn, turn that off. Stop that. Don't be doing that. That is to protect us from committing something like David did and wind up on the ash heap of our own consequences. Amen. I thank God for Holy Ghost conviction. I thank God for conviction about what I wear. I thank God for conviction about what I say. I thank God for conviction of faith, a conviction of doctrine, a conviction of attitude, a conviction of of a spirit that I need to live holy before God. Look at 1 Thessalonians. It says in chapter 1 and verse 2, we give thanks always to God always for you all making mention of you in our prayers. Remember without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and our Father. Knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost in much assurance. Somebody say much assurance. As you know, the manner of men, we 
are among you for your sake. That phrase, much assurance, means full conviction. Full conviction. Amen. Because of our gospel, Paul is saying, come to you not in word only, but also in power, in the Holy Spirit, and full conviction. Full conviction. Amen. You need to know what kind of man you are in full conviction. Before I walk out the door, I need to have some full conviction. Before going to school, I need to have a full conviction of modesty. Before I go on my job, I need to have a full conviction about anger. Before I go out to, to, to deal with situations, I need to have a full conviction of God's direction. It's interesting, there are two Greek words about conviction. The first one is reproof, and we've talked to you about that. The second one carries two words, two Greek words. That means fool or bear to carry. It is literally complete carrying. And here it indicates something very exciting is that it speaks to us of a boat whose winds, whose sail is full of wind, full conviction, bearing us. What bears us up today? What's going to keep us in the face of fear? Conviction that he said he'd never leave me nor forsake me. First of all, I need the conviction of sin. Get sin out of my life. Then I need to repent. And then I need the wind of the Holy Ghost blow in my sails, oh God, that I might have a, a, a full breath of you carrying me to where I need to go, sustaining me and keeping me up. It's conviction that will keep you. I want to say today, there's a lot of people trying to find something worth living for. When in reality, we will find something that we're worth, that's worth dying for. The faith that we have to have in this hour and the conviction we need in this hour is that, all right, am I willing to lay down my life for the cause of Christ? Am I willing to lay down my life for the truth? Am I so convinced in my mind with a full assurance that I believe in him no matter what anybody says? I will not give him up. I will not let my Lord go. I will hold on to him. I don't care if it embarrasses somebody else. I want to be like the woman with the alabaster box. I want to find him and anoint him and love him. Amen. Do I have a conviction of worship no matter what? Do I have a conviction of his word no matter what? Amen. You see, brothers and sisters, there's a voice of conviction that first hits us that says repent but oh I want the second one I need the second voice of conviction that says here's the way here's the way Hebrews 10 22 says let us draw near with the heart in full assurance there's that word again conviction of faith having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and their bodies washed with pure water. I don't know about you. I wrestle with this flesh enough. If I get the victory over him, I want to keep the victory over him. In full assurance of faith. How do I do that? Draw near to him. It's relationship that builds conviction. It's my relationship with the Lord that builds my conviction. Hallelujah. The full assurance of faith or the full conviction of faith. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 2. That their hearts might be comforted, being knit together and unto all the riches of the full assurance of understanding. 
This means full conviction of understanding. I don't, I don't have to have a, a miracle. I don't have to have somebody to come in and try to tr change my mind. I know who Jesus is. I know who he is. I know about his name. I know about his power. Hallelujah. To acknowledge of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ. Amen. I have full assurance of understanding that there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism. I have full conviction of understanding. Amen. Who Jesus is. I don't have time to walk off the ledge. I don't have time for apostasy. I don't have time to give in on, on things of the word of God. I've got to have a conviction. Amen. Jesus name baptism is not just a biblical truth. It's got to be a conviction of understanding. A full conviction of understanding. Then he said in Hebrews 6, the Bible does in Hebrews 6 and 11, and we desire that every one of you do show, do show the same diligence to the full conviction of hope. I don't know about you, I've never really looked at conviction and hope in the same sentence. Anybody got a conviction of hope today? That means you die for it. You're willing to say, I am going to stand strong in what God says. My hope is in him. My hope is in him. My hope is in him. I'm going to stand strong no matter what happens around us. Amen. I've got a full conviction of hope, a full conviction of understanding, and a full conviction of faith. Full conviction comes when the breath of the Holy Spirit fills ourselves with his truth. Because the Bible said when the Spirit comes, he would point us to Christ and show us. When that experience of the baptism of the Holy Ghost comes inside of you, it's a breath of the heavenly presence of God. Amen. Full conviction is not something you just decide. It's a byproduct of discipleship. People say, if you don't stand for something, you're going to fall for anything. Well, I don't know about you, Brother Sippa. I think we want to stand for something that we know. It's not arbitrary. It's conviction. It's a conviction. It's a conviction. Stand with me, please. I think it's important to have personal convictions. I want to talk to, to you just for a minute. When you have a conviction of modesty, when you have a conviction that you belong to the Lord, that you're a child of God, it's not hard, Brother Matt, to make sure my sleeve links are good. You ladies, make sure your skirts are good because you belong to the Lord. Make sure that you realize you're more valuable than this world tells you. Go ahead and look like a floosie because then you'll get treated like one. But when you know that you're a child of the king and you belong to him and your life belongs to him, then all of a sudden, I just don't dress a certain way because my pastor said it or because my mom and dad taught it. But I do it because there's a conviction inside of me. There's a conviction inside of me. 
There are certain things I do and don't do because there's a conviction inside of me about it. Places I don't go because there's a conviction inside of me about it. And I will not change arbitrarily just because somebody else is. I'm not saying they're heaven or hell, but it's, it's my conviction. Amen. And I don't want to step over that because I don't want to ruin that voice in my life. The voice of conviction. That voice that says, don't go down that path. Don't walk there. It's conviction. There's also a conviction. There are things I do, don't do because I don't want to hurt my brother or my sister. Somebody say it's a conviction. It's a conviction. Hallelujah. I don't want to listen to the voice of the tempter. I want to listen to the voice of conviction in my life. Heavenly Father, we come to you. Thank you for listening to the MPC podcast. We trust that today's message has inspired you, encouraged you, and strengthened you in the Lord. We would like to invite you to join us again by simply subscribing to our podcast, and we encourage you to write a review if it has been a blessing to you. Again, you can find us at medorchurch.com to learn more about our ministry.